What is up, everyone? Welcome back to First Touch. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside Nate Canan. Nate, episode two, we made it. Yeah, that's definitely what that means. <laughs> Just want to say thank you guys so much for a very successful first episode launch. Great to see all the love and support that we're getting from everyone, not only just in the soccer community, but from outside of it as well. Love seeing all those five-star reviews that we have. Many more great things to come here and a lot of hard work ahead for us. Help spread the FTFC out there. Every little bit helps every subscribe. And with that being said, FTFC, the first touch football club is here for everyone for every level of enjoyment of just the American soccer community and the greater soccer community around the world. Couldn't agree more with you. I'm excited about this episode. There's a lot to cover. It is finally the return of the premier. League. Yes. The premier league is back, baby, baby. baby. Everyone knows uh, that knows us personally. You know, we're both to you know, diehard Premier League fans, you a Tottenham fan, me a Liverpool fan. Um, so we decided to take some time as the Premier League comes back this week to cover you know just about every game this match week. Uh, we'll be talking a lot about that. Obviously, we'll be getting into breakdowns of each game. You know what we expect to happen, some storylines. You know with the return to play. Uh, but then we got some other stuff after that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So this is our official Premier League preview. At a look at every game ahead, there's a couple of things that are going to be coming up after that, uh, including a update on the Korean sex doll scandal out of FC Seoul that everyone seems to be talking about. It's only gaining more traction after the fact, which is funny. It's so weird that it's been, what, a few weeks now, and the story just keeps getting bigger. I'm amazed that it just keeps kind of recurring in the news cycle. Uh, we got some more information that, you know, the plot yeah, we'll be talking about that later, so definitely stick around for the second part after the Premier League preview. And also, uh, for all of you MLS fans, we're going to talk a little bit about the Return to Play Breakdown 26-team tournament, uh, six groups, three from the East, three from the West, and it's going to be returning back on the 8th of July. And um, we're also going to be covering a topic that, quite frankly, I know nothing about, but is very important to a lot of people and also something that Tyler enjoys a little too much, if you ask me. But that is sports betting and gambling. We're going to be... <laughs> Everyone has their vices, Nate. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> as long as you can continue to pay rent, I'm not going to worry about it. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit about what bets Tyler is making, why is he taking those bets, and it's going to be focused around the Premier League since this episode is our Premier League preview. We're not a Premier League podcast. I thought we've discussed this. We're a cornhole podcast. But <laughs> there were some really good matches. I think the highlight for me was that Copa Italia semifinal with Juventus and AC Milan. Yeah. A uh, little disappointed there was no Zlatan, obviously. Yeah, that's the player that I love watching the most. I just think that I mean, there's he's such a controversial player. For those of you who don't know who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is, he is someone that refers to himself in the third person quite often. Um, he also gave himself the nickname The Lion and has a huge lion tattoo all over his back. And he's tatted from head to toe, basically. But he is one of my favorite players to watch. And seeing him play against CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo, would have been an amazing day uh, for my week. But unfortunately, he was not among those players. That was one of the most insane sequences I've seen in a long time. I actually really wanted to stop watching the game because of how the it basically became 
professional wrestling intensity I felt. And I could only imagine what would have happened if there was fans in that stadium, because here's a breakdown of what happened. So basically, uh, Ronaldo is the terminator of soccer and somehow avoided a handball after what appeared to be a handball from the player in the box. VAR reviewed it, and it was a handball on AC Milan. They were getting steamrolled for the first 15 minutes of the match. I'm surprised there wasn't already at least two goals in at this point. So this handball happens. VAR confirms there's a handball. Ronaldo goes to take this penalty kick. And he tries to sneak it in on the left-hand side. Surprisingly, it hits left post. Losing my mind over that because the Terminator CR7 doesn't miss. He is... He played like ass that whole game, I felt like. I wouldn't say ass. I think that being superstars, like... uh, His expectations. Exactly. It's the expectations. When you turn on a Barcelona game, when you turn on a Juventus game, when you turn on an AC Milan game... With these certain individuals, you expect to have such an amazing performance from them 100% of the time. They're still human. I think Renato played great. It's still just a person doing the best that he can. He somehow hit post, and I was losing my mind over this. And then the ball ricocheted around, long story short, around the slightly past midfield. A player got on Juventus, got the ball. So he, Ante Rebic flies in, cleats up. It reminded me of that Spanish versus Germany World Cup final where there was no red card. And I immediately lost my mind because it was turning into professional wrestling on the field. And personally, I hate a physical game of soccer. I I do enjoy it to some degree. I like a little bit of scrappiness, but I love more of a technical game. That's what is the beauty of the sport to me. And and you get a red card against a Ronaldo Juventus backside when you don't have Zlatan there. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? You're going to blow this game. I mean, credit to Milan for staying strong and you know pulling away with the draw, even though they didn't advance to the final. Just you know, not allowing any goals after that. Uh, just you know, a little shout out. Oh, absolutely. When you hold a team like Juventus to a draw, when you're down a man for the majority of the game, you're the dominant team that entire time. And I'm happy to see that because that's resilience. I'm a huge underdog supporter. So whenever a man goes down like that, that's the underdog team. And I was pulling for them that entire time. Unfortunately, like you said, they didn't advance, but that was crazy. That was a crazy 15 minutes of a game. And it was just not a super exciting majority of the rest of the game because it was a zero zero. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, But, you know, we watched a lot of soccer. You know what else we've been watching? Yeah. The cornhole is ridiculous. Again, switching between the different Bundesliga games that were on, we just switched on a game, and it was showing also on ESPN. There was a power log lifting competition, which then immediately ended mid-interview and just switched to cornhole. Why is this so serious? Johnsonville paid a lot of money to get on ESPN, I'm convinced. Uh, We have a new favorite player, though. Tommy, Timothy Pitcher, not Tommy Pitcher, Timothy Pitcher, the greatest name I've ever heard for a professional cornhole player. That you, you could, you, if you're born with the last name Pitcher, you have to play sports. And if baseball doesn't work out for you, what are you going to do? You're going to join the American Cornhole League. I just loved the analysis of like the player, the analyst breaking it down. But even more so, I enjoyed the little bios they gave of the players. Uh, 
you know, I don't think you can have stats in Cornhole. I mean, I don't even know how you would do that, but their bios were so interesting. Man, they were showing what their actual careers were <laughs> and what kind of bags they were using. That blew my mind. It was like, this person is actually a welder. This man is retired. And the thing that I was losing my mind over was not only, again, the analysis that you were talking about, but the people giving the commentary were talking, because again, it's social distance cornhole. We're still in the midst of a pandemic here. They're saying, oh, there's no fans around. So that must mean that either people are going to really own in and focus at every single bag that they're throwing, or they're going to be a lack of motivation from the crowd. I'm like, first of which, what kind of what is the crowds like at a cornhole competition if they're really feeding into it? But no, th- this is complete BS to me because how did these people like? There's may- maybe I'm wrong, but you learned how to play cornhole from playing with your family, or you're like the guy at the bar who takes this game way too seriously. And what kind of crowd environment is that? You're like drinking a Coors Light, slapping some bags down. Maybe you got like your best friend, your girlfriend, four other people watching. There's no crowds. It doesn't matter. All I know is when crowds are allowed back at cornhole and there's one in Chicago, we will be there. We will be there with signs for Timothy Pitcher going ape shit and i will be drunk <laughs> are the are the players drunk <laughs> because they better be no dude didn't we see they're they're all in headphones man they're in the zone they're, i don't know what they're listening to i'm hoping it's like hardball where they're listening to big papa and then they're just like you know sinking all these it's just absurd to me that like it's socially acceptable for you to plug in your ipod headphones and play a professional sports game simultaneously they're not airpods they're all wired headphones I don't think as professional cornhole players they can afford AirPods. That's sad. Apple, bring the cornhole players some wireless headphones because I think... Yeah. But that's not why everyone is listening to First Touch. I'm hoping we just get like a massive viewership or people listening that are diehard cornhole fans. We'll just turn into a cornhole podcast. But yeah, that's that's not why we're here, unfortunately. Let's talk about the return of the EPL, the English Premier League. Before we get into all these match previews, because you know, there are a lot of them, we got a few teams playing two matches uh, in the match week. Uh, let's talk about something really cool that the Premier League's doing, which is you know they're replacing all of the names on the kits with Black Lives Matter. I'm I'm proud to see that this sport is standing in solidarity with this movement. I could not agree more. Um, to see a league you know across the pond with an outpouring sport like this, just awesome. That being said. Let's go ahead and start breaking down some of these matches. So we got a lot of matches coming up. What is the first day that the Premier League is back? It's Wednesday. Wednesday. It should be the day we're premiering this episode. So make sure to give this a listen before these. If you're a little late, totally fine. You know, there's still plenty of games we'll talk about. First one, we're going to be kicking off with Aston Villa-Sheffield. It may not be the most exciting, but it's worth talking about. Oh, absolutely. These are two teams that I enjoy watching. Uh, Jack Grealish on Aston Villa is one player that I'm always keeping an eye on, even though they're not having a stellar season. By it's a bad season. It's yeah, I'm giving them too much credit by saying stellar. They still have a couple of prime players like Jack that are a great joy to watch on the pitch. And Sheffield, 
They're a team that came out of relegation last season and completely took the Premier League by storm. Obviously, they're not a top four placer, but finishing above that bottom three in the strong mid in the middle of the table, you can't really ask for a lot more having um, just coming out of relegation. I've been really impressed with Sheffield all season. Lundstrom has been someone that's really stood out, mostly because I, I play a lot of fantasy Premier League, and this guy has just been one of the biggest, he's like one of the most popular fantasy players out there, simply because, although he's technically a midfielder, he's designated as a defender in fantasy, uh, it's just kind of one of those things where he's just kind of like a cheat code. But he's having a great year, I believe he has four goals on the season, it's been really vital to their success. It's weird to think that a team like this is actually in contention for a potential Europa League spot, so, you know, with this being the first game back, they're only like a half goal favorite. I expect them to win pretty handily. They've got a lot to play for right now. Villa is obviously trying to fight like hell to get out of relegation. Yeah, I'm expecting a Sheffield win there as well. I do expect Aston Villa to bring as much as they can. In terms of score, I do think that both teams are going to be on the board, but I don't expect Aston Villa to take the W, unfortunately. The bigger match of Wednesday is going to be Man City Arsenal, two of the most prestigious teams in both. It's an exciting matchup on the first day back. We haven't talked a whole lot about it because there hasn't been any play, but Man City is facing that two-year Champions League ban. We're waiting on their appeal to hear back. They should know by the middle of July. That's got to be a weird headspace for Man City coming into it. Can you give a recap of exactly what that ban is for those who might not be as familiar with the situation? In in all honesty, I'm not an expert on this kind of stuff. It's something about FFP rules as far as the money owners can put toward bankroll losses. And it seems like essentially Man City was kind of trying to cover that stuff up. Some emails got leaked. UEFA found out about it. And now there's a two-year Champions League bad fan. They are waiting on an appeal, which they should find out about in about early July. But again, just it's really strange. Then just kind of in this limbo of, you know, can we qualify for the Champions League? Can we not? So again, wondering how that has an impact on their yeah, absolutely. And for, again, we're focused more on American edge in this. This is something that a lot of American teams don't experience because a majority of major sports have salary caps, whereas these professional soccer teams in Europe, they don't experience a salary cap. And you witness these record signing deals, these record trade deals time and time again as money becomes more and more large and inflated. It's quite insane. And Man City has been a team that's been dominating the Premier League for the past five plus years. So having these allegations against them is definitely a jab at their credibility in some of the championships that they have and probably can affect some of the players. I know one of their star players, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, there's rumors of him wanting to possibly part ways with Manchester City if they're not able to win this appeal. So it would be really interesting to see exactly what comes out of that in July because it could affect how that team is looking come the next Premier League season. Yeah, this team could look fundamentally different. Let's say De Bruyne leaves. There are a lot of transfer rumors surrounding Leroy Sané, another extremely young, talented player. Missed a lot of the season with a torn ACL. I think Pep Guardiola is talented enough and good enough manager that he will make sure this team's focused. I think the way you got to look at it from their perspective is, you know, we can't control what's going to happen with that field. We just have to go out and make sure you know, we play our best brain of football. So I'm, I'm expecting a win here. I, I think it's important that we talk a little bit about Arsenal. You know, made some high-profile transfers this season, and just they've been a disappointment. 
they've had such a tank of a season from their standards. I mean, this is a team that went undefeated back in the early 2000s, and they've been riding on that high since then. So having this kind of season and making some important moves that aren't panning out, that's definitely going to be a big hit on morale. So I would agree with you. I would say that I expect Manchester City to take home the win out of this match. You would think a team that signed Nicola Pepe and David Luiz would be set for success, but you know, they're one and a half goal underdogs against Man City. It's easy to see why. Just a disappointment of a season and Man City stacked. Expect a Man City win there. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, anything can still happen, especially with this break, but I, I don't expect Arsenal to take home the, the win with this one, and that's just going to be another devastating loss. And I don't know where they're going to finish at the end of the this season on the table. I don't either. They're in no means in danger of relegation, but you know, I don't think we're going to see them in either of the prestigious uh, cups. Moving forward to Friday, we have another few games on the docket. I know you're excited. I've been looking for I've been looking forward to this Friday for months. Before we get into your Spurs, uh, let's talk a little bit about Norwich versus Southampton. I know you're not nearly as excited about that match, and frankly, I, I don't think anyone is. <laughs> we got the last place team versus the 14th place team, and I'm just I am so bummed about Norwich. They started the season so strong. Timu Puki and Todd Cantwell took the league by storm. Pookie couldn't stop scoring. I believe they even beat Man City earlier in the year. And then just the wheels came off, man. It's just, I was, I was hoping for something special. They're now in dead last. They're probably going to get relegated. They're playing a Southampton team where I think this is an opportunity for them to kind of turn things around. I don't really have much to say on this match. It is, unfortunately, a fight at the bottom of the table. But with that Southampton win, they're going to be more competitive to get out of that relegation zone. Because again, for those people who are just picking up this podcast, trying to get into Premier League soccer, if you finish at the bottom three, you're kicked out of the Premier League. You're thrown into the the league underneath you and you have who knows how long until you get back. You got to earn your spot in the Premier League. That's the reason why I'm drawn to this sport. Both of these teams are in danger of exiting the Premier League. Southampton needs to take home that win to give them more safety. And Norwich needs a win as well. They've got a, a much bigger hole to climb out of. It seems like teams figured out Norwich after a few games this season. I'm wondering if Norwich changes up tactics. I'm going to say draw here. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of goals scored. Um, I, I predict Southampton to take a take a win out of this one, actually. That's fair. That's fair. I guess I guess we can talk about the big game Friday that you're excited about. Your boys, home field advantage against Manny United. What is home field advantage in COVID? It's just... I don't think there is. You got a special chair you like looking at? It's like, that's my chair. I look at that chair and I'm focused. You know, maybe they'll pump in some come on you spurs, which, you know, we talk about this off the podcast a lot, but like, what a champ, man. Is that just like you guys being disappointed? Like, come on, Spurs. Like, do something. <laughs> There's a lot of interpretations of the history of that chant. Um, I kind of choose to believe so, considering it's been such a long time. For those who don't know, Tottenham does have championships, just not in modern era football. And there's a lot of great chants that are just about preoccupying time. Come on, you Spurs is just one of those that's like, come on do something in my mind. And I, I don't mind that. I think it's so enjoyable. I will say, as not a Tottenham fan, this is, in my opinion, the most exciting match of the entire week. Tottenham's healthy, man. You know, even if you guys... <laughs> yeah, right. For the first time in months. You know, Deli Alley is suspended for this match. Uh, 
Yeah, so um, Delhi made a very distasteful joke at the beginning of this pandemic outbreak on his private uh, Snapchat, making fun of someone in an airport, which is a shame. He's gone on record to apologize for his actions. Ultimately, it's resulted in a ban as well as a pretty hefty fine. So he's going to be missing this very important match. You know, that being said, you guys are getting a lot of people back. Harry Kane, Hummingson, Son, who are you most excited to see? That's a that's a very interesting question. I'm actually, it's not one player in particular. I'm excited to just see this healthy squad together. If you were to ask me who's starting, what's the formation, I could give you several different answers. I imagine they're going to play a combination of Sun and Kane up top as your two main strikers. I imagine Burwine's going to be there as well. Probably. That's the name I'm interested. I'm very excited to see him, his dynamic playing with Harry Kane. He's someone that has not touched the pitch with Kane. He was essentially a replacement for Kane while he was injured. You have Musa Suzoko returning the midfielding Frenchman. Um, Hugo Lloris, the captain of the French national team, is healthy, and he's also going to be in that. And he's had a pretty spotty season since he's taken home the World Cup championship. I don't know how this team is going to look together because I'm a little bit worried about the chemistry. Deli Ali is such a huge asset set for the midfield, especially with Christian Eriksen leaving. This is going to be a really important match because who do we have as our manager right now? Jose Marino, who was Manchester United's former manager. No one would have ever imagined, I wouldn't have imagined that he's now the manager of the Tottenham Hotspur crew in Northern London. Just a ragtag bunch right now, to be honest. You know, Man United's also kind of in that same boat. Some, it's been a weird season for them. They've played well overall, but just some inconsistencies. They've been missing Paul Pogba. And what an amazing player to miss. I know. I think the big thing now is you know Pogba's back and training. They also got recently Bruno Fernandes, who before the pandemic hit, was going off. It was an unreal stretch for him. And I think the real question for them, you just talked with Tottenham about their chemistry. If Pogba and Bruno play together, they've never played together before. How is that going to mesh? The first thing that I'm going to say is I'm going to be watching Pogba because I want to see what kind of haircut he's going to have coming out of post-COVID. <laughs> oh, dude, those, those first COVID haircuts, man. Like He's got the best hair game in the Premier League. I, I want to say I predict Tottenham to win. Um, I think Manchester United will actually come out on top of this one, and that really pains me to say. I'm just hoping for a competitive match, and I'm hoping for goals. That's all I'm hoping for at this point. I think I'm just looking for some entertainment, and as far as potential for entertainment value, like this is at the top. Moving to Saturday, starting at 6.30 a.m. Central Time, we got Watford versus Leicester. Yes, the true winners of the Premier League this year. We had, we had to talk about it, I guess. Um, that 3-0 victory over Liverpool, just what a weird match, man. De La Feu got hurt. He is still not healthy. Um, Sar scored a brace, two goals in that match. You have to imagine that confidence was like riding high, even though they lost to Crystal Palace right after that. All of that momentum would have had to worn off at this point. Right. I don't know what would have happened, but I can only imagine, like you said, that momentum was going to be so high dethroning Liverpool from having that perfect Premier League season. I know that definitely stings for you. Hey, they're still going to take home the championship. It'll be a party when that happens. But Watford, this is who we're talking about team that has been struggling this entire season they've been filtering in and out of the bottom three hovering a little bit more out in the safety zone i don't think that they're going to ultimately have a healthy finish to this without de la Feu, things are gonna be so much harder 
think it's important that if we're talking about Leicester, we have to give this team some love, right? They're third in the table. They've had an incredible season again after winning the league a few years ago. I, I It blows me away they're only a half-goal favorite. I mean, this team's healthy. I know there's some rumors around like players like James Madison, but you know, you still have one of the best strikers out there in Jamie Vardy. I think they have a pretty friendly schedule the rest of the way. They could they could potentially fight for the second spot. Leicester will walk away with a huge victory on this. I predict multiple goals. I don't think Watford is going to even get one in. Moving forward, uh, we got Brighton versus Arsenal. I feel kind of bad for Arsenal, but this is just going to be the nature of COVID right now. Another game on Saturday after playing on Wednesday. The only thing I'm very curious about this moving forward, how different do the lineups look when you play Wednesday and then Saturday? Yeah, that was something that we talked about with Will Carroll last week, and there's going to be an exploration into the depth of the bench. And I would expect Arsenal to start a weaker side actually against Manchester City on Wednesday. And then I think they're probably going to pull out a more stronger side against Brighton. Because if I was that manager, what I would do is you're going to have a tougher time beating a strong Manchester City side versus Brighton. You want to put more chips on your table against Brighton because that's going to be a more important win versus that loss or potential draw that you can have with Manchester City. I would take a more park-the-bus strategy, rest up your players for that Brighton game because there's more on the table, more at stake with taking home a solid victory against Brighton. If Arsenal comes out gun-ho on Wednesday, I'm predicting Brighton to win this match. However, if they do take a more strategic approach, take a comfortable tie or loss against Manchester City, I think they're going to win against Brighton. I feel like there's not too much to say about Brighton. You know, it's not like they play a bad brand of football, but you know the results haven't shown for it. Only six wins this season. I think regardless of the lineup that comes out, I, I think it's a comfortable Arsenal win. The more exciting match on Saturday we got is West Ham versus Wolves. Oh man, talk about such a weird season West Ham has had. Yeah, I think just like from the player standpoint, as far as the players on the pitch, that's why I'm more interested in this. But yeah, like what what happened with West Ham, man? You know, had such a promising year last year. They're 16th on the table. The last time they were relegated was the 2010-11 season. And now, you know, it's kind of looking them in the face. This is the match that I'm most excited to watch on Saturday because both teams have a lot at stake here. Wolves that are a very interesting part of the table. Great season so far. Couple of hard losses throughout the rest of the season. West Ham, again, like we said, struggling. A team that has a solid bench that should be doing a lot better than they are that are in danger of relegation they're a team that's fighting tooth and nail at this point to make sure that they don't get kicked out of the premier league both teams have a lot of stake wolves have the potential to make some moves here at the end of the season if they plan it out strategically obviously west ham doesn't want to get relegated who's going to come out at the win Ultimately, I think Wolves are going to be the ones that do this, but I wouldn't be surprised if West Ham has a new strategy coming out of this. I think they can only, if they did this pause correctly and maybe made some changes to their formation, looking a little stronger in their training camps, they can make a dent at the end of the season and get themselves into safety from relegation. Two players I'm looking at in this game, you know, on the West Ham side, these are both on the wings. I'm looking at Felipe Anderson. You know, someone that was so talented to just take up took a massive step back this year. Had nine goals last season, only has one this year. Uh, not entirely sure what happened there. Uh, West Ham, if they're trying to get out of relegation, they're going to need a big turnaround from him. Uh, on the Wolves side, rather selfishly, I'm going to be looking at Triore. We've talked about this multiple times. 
The dude is built like an NFL player. Huge. Huge. That's not the reason I'm looking at it. It's a great showcase opportunity. There are starting to be transfer rumors, roughly with him in Liverpool, which I found fascinating. If that happens, we'll get that kid. I think that's one of those rumors that you always hear. I expect him to stay at Wolves. I think I think the big reason for it being the rumors that, you know, they couldn't land Timo Werner. That being said, I am going to keep an eye on him. Anyone that looks like a linebacker, since my background is in American football, will be watching that guy with great interest. I'll, I'll take the Wolves win here. Moving on into another one. Not too exciting, but there's some players to watch. Uh, Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace. Uh, the betting line is even right now. It's kind of a toss-up on who expects to win. Bournemouth, a team fighting off relegation, while Crystal Palace, you know, middle of the road. Again, don't feel like there's a lot of talk to about this one. There's a couple of exciting players to watch, though. Like, no no discredit to Bournemouth or Crystal Palace. This is why I love watching soccer, especially around this time of the year, is watching these relegation teams, because you do see some end-of-season miracles Bournemouth is going to need one of those to pull themselves out of that relegation zone. Unfortunately, I don't really see them doing it at this point. And Crystal Palace does have solid talent within that bench. Zaha. Love Zaha. I expect his career to move only forward after this. I expect him to probably transfer out of that club within the next few seasons because he does have a lot of individual talent. Crystal Palace should have some more money to spend. They should try to entice Zaha to stay. They can build a solid team that can be a contender around him. I just don't see them doing that. I think Crystal Palace is going to come out with the victory over Bournemouth. I'll give a shout out to Harry Wilson on the Bournemouth side just because he's out on loan from Liverpool. But other than that, I agree with you. Uh, Except for the fact I just want Zaha out of there, out of Crystal Palace. I want him to go somewhere where he can make a more impact on like a, a bigger scale. I think there's more exposure opportunity for him. I know he spent pretty much his entire career at Crystal Palace. Just selfishly, I want to see him somewhere else. The only problem that I see with talking about someone like Zaha leaving is the idea of someone that's grown up with a club, someone that pays their dues to a club that's really developed them and nurtured them. Of course, it's your own career. It's your own money to make. But you play for Crest. That is a person that loves playing for Crystal Palace, and I respect the hell out of him for that. It's just Palace needs to start spending some money in the right places to get him the support that he really deserves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Moving on, uh, we got Newcastle, Sheffield. But I do think it's interesting to talk about Newcastle here just because of everything that's going on and looking forward to the future of that franchise. I think you're actually really undervaluing this match. I think it is something that is worth watching because there's two big things that are going on here. Yes, Newcastle, there's a lot to dissect and talk about. Talk about a team that has been making the most of this break. They are spending money left and right. They are acquiring players. They're making longer signs. There's a lot of rumors of Garrett Bell coming to this team from Real Madrid of the Spanish league coming into the premier league again. He was a huge Tottenham person for a while. He's not at the peak of his career right now. So I don't know for sure what difference he can really make to the squad, but I do think he could bring a level of maturity as well as skill. Hopefully he could turn that team around if that ends up happening. Newcastle is not going to finish super strong within this table this year. They're spending a lot of money on the right players in the right positions and I expect great things to come from them at the beginning of the next premier league season. But a re- But a reason why this match is also worth watching is honestly Sheffield. Sheffield is another team that's been a huge surprise coming out of a recently promoted team. Yeah, having I think this is a great opportunity for Sheffield especially. Having two matches in a match week where you're already sitting at seventh on the table. If you can win both of these, that's six points. You move up pretty quick. 
I don't think there's a team that has more at stake in the first week back than Sheffield. We're talking about them as a potential Europa League team right now. I mean, who knows? There's still nine matches left to play. Things could get crazy. They just keep winning matches. All of a sudden, you could see them you know, fighting for a Champions League spot, especially Man City gets that ban. Absolutely. Sheffield has a lot to prove here with these remaining nine matches, so expect to see huge improvements from their pace of play and probably making some risky moves because I bet they want to finish within that Aruba League spot. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to Aston Villa Chelsea. Again, I think it's another team that has some stuff at stake with two matches. Uh, Aston Villa could get out of that relegation zone. It does not help when your two matches are Sheffield and Chelsea. No. Um, we talked a little about Chelsea last time with uh, Timo Warner potentially being on his way. Um, obviously, he will not be playing in this match yet. Um, one of the bigger favorites of the weekend. You know, they are a, a one-goal favorite. This is a good opportunity for that squad that's staying before Timo Warner gets there to show what they're made of. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea has never really had that many problems against a team like Villa. Expect Chelsea to have a very easy victory on this. Uh, probably up two goals at some point in time during this. Only thing with them, you know, with so many young players like Tane Abraham and Mason Mount, they're probably going to come in with a lot of energy, but do you get sloppy with that energy? That's the only way I can see this thing being a little more interesting than, you know, we're talking about it, but just like you, I'm expecting a pretty convincing Chelsea win. Yeah, so let's move on to something that's probably exciting and near and dear to your heart. We, oh. got, a, we got a derby. I'm a little sad. Derby, Derby. It's a Derby. And yeah, maybe spell Derby, it is Derby. Oh, believe me, early on in my soccer fandom was corrected on that pretty quickly. This is Everton-Liverpool. It's a bittersweet for me. Um, I was actually supposed to be in Liverpool for this match. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go to the Atletico Madrid second leg. What a weird time for your first international trip. Not only did Liverpool lose, I woke up in the morning to about... 30 text messages, messages on social media, like, get home. A lot of stuff's happened since then. Um, grateful for my time there, but just excited for a chance to potentially win the league on Sunday. Yeah, what a way to clinch the title in a derby. That sucks that you couldn't be there for that. I would be so mad, and I would I would look back at that for the rest of my life and be like, what could have been? Oh, I think- I'll, I'll still have that story forever, that I was at one of... I, one of, if not the last major sporting event in the world with fans. Yes, that's going to be a story you can talk about. I'm still excited regardless, you know. I've been waiting for this for months. It looks like Liverpool's in great shape already. Uh, they had a friendly against Blackburn. They won 6 nothing. We even had one of the like, academy kids get a cold. I mean, they're just so hungry at this point. Like yeah. That was taking lambs to the slaughter, that Blackburn uh, friendly. You know that every person that comes out on the pitch that game is going to bring more intensity than ever brought before because they know how important that match is, especially the importance of winning it on a derby. You know, anything can happen in a derby, but especially right now there's no fans. Uh, exactly. There's no one that has more to play for. Right? You, you can say anything can happen on a derby, but I, that's with an asterisk because it doesn't matter. Like, again, we talked about fan engagement. We talked about what it means to bring your level of intensity as a fan to the environment and energy of the players on the pitch. That's not going to be any element that affects this game at all. Derbies still matter because there's still rivalries. There's still a lot of history for those fans but they're not going to be able to be there and experience this Derby and this win in this moment, which is pretty sad on some levels because there are people that have been waiting for this moment for years for Liverpool to win, let alone winning where they are against who they are. There's no way they don't blow them out, right? 
I'm just. Ex- I know Everton. It's not. They're not a bad squad, but well, you could say that about Watford. <laughs> Ouch. Fair. Very fair. I just think they. Yeah, like we said, they've been sitting for months just waiting for them. And this is not despite you, but if Everton does end up winning, I might open up a bottle of champagne <laughs> just because it's they deserve that. Someone deserves to celebrate Everton, I guess. If I don't say I expect Liverpool to win, then I have no credibility. <laughs> Last match of the week. It's on Monday. Another Man City won. Uh, the biggest line uh, in the entire week. Man City is a two-and-a-half goal favorite against Burnley. Poor Burnley. Waiting all this time just to probably get smoked by Man City. They're a respectable team defensively. I have a lot of respect for Nick Pope. I think he's a very sound goalie. But just how do you withstand that onslaught? Yeah, I mean, Nick Pope's going to be the person that helps this team the most during this game. Um, I predict Man City to win this, but if they can have a solid defensive strategy, a lot of things could happen. Um, Man City, I think, has an advantage coming into this game because they're already going to play and they have the longest stretch of a break that any team that's already had a match in this first week back has. So they might be able to warm up, get some of the kinks out against that Arsenal game, figuring out like what's going to be the best approach coming into this Burnley match. They don't have to stack their squad as tight against um, it's like their match against Arsenal, but I think Man City is still going to come out on top ultimately through this. It's going to be an exciting game to watch if Burnley can put up a good defensive strategy against uh, against this side. We did it, Nate. That is all the matches for the match week. Curious for the listeners, who are you interested in watching the most with this first week back? Uh, you expect any upsets, any big blowouts? Uh, let us know on Instagram at firsttouchpod. Let us know on Twitter at ftfcpod. Reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter. Let us know what we got wrong because call us out if you think that what we're saying is utter bullshit. I think that we bring up a lot of good solid points here, but you might also have something that's worth uh, bringing to the conversation and we'll talk about it on the podcast next week if you call us out. As always, Tyler is always right. Nate is always wrong. Uh, I don't know about that one, <laughs> but you did choose a great time to become a Liverpool fan, so always yeah, we'll yeah. It's great having the Premier League back. That was our Premier League preview. It's going to be such an exciting week and a couple of following weeks just having this spectacle back and just the frequency of these matches just basically nonstop every other day. Some exciting matchups coming. Those teams fighting out of relegation. Those teams trying to qualify for those Champions League spots. I'm loving it. But let's get on to some other topics. So... As we brought up in our very first episode, we talked about something that was going on with FC Soul. Agree in sex dolls. We're never going to live this down. The story will never die. Uh, yeah, it might just be like the Johnsonsville sausage. Uh, <laughs> Cornhole. recurring weekly segments on Cornhole and FC Soul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so looking into this a bit further, we found out a little bit more about what was going on with these sex dolls. So... If anyone listening to the first episode ended up looking up this scandal, you might have noticed a couple of things. One, these sex dolls were dressed. So, fully clothed in all the team's gear, were holding up signs, made them look as authentic fans as possible. So I think that goes against our first point that there's no way that no that no one knew that these were actually sex dolls. Had to dress them. Exactly. <laughs> So I think that whenever you're putting pants on something, there is something that you would absolutely notice. But what has recently come out is the matter of content that is on the signs that they were holding. I was assuming it was like, 
go FC Souls. Yeah. Souls got soul. Ooh, I like that. Souls got soul. That was unfortunately not the case. Apparently, the signs were for adult websites and adult uh, companies. So, wow. That, I think that adds to our conspiracy. Like, it's the conspiracy. It's the great sex doll conspiracy. Some, they, someone's, they, knew. they absolutely knew because that had to be someone was getting a kickback. Someone was getting a sponsorship from putting sex dolls, holding signs about adult entertainment websites. It makes sense. Again, they're just trying, I think, again, personally, I just think they were trying to get publicity for the club. And I mean, if you're talking about on an international scale of getting publicity, the fact that this is weeks, weeks past it and we're still talking about it. Even if they got fined 80 grand, I think as far as the value and the exposure they've gotten, it's a net gain. It's weird to say that, but I think they made the right move. On FC Soul's part, definitely the right move. Whatever company that they got these sex dolls from or whatever company that they were sponsoring. I don't want to know what company that is. I'm not saying to look that up. If someone looks it up, you know, write into us at FTFC. But with that being said, yes, FC Soul comes out the winner here. The company that it's probably paying to get that sponsored, not so much because we have no idea. We're going to hop into... Uh, a little bit more on the analytical side in the world of sports betting, something that I know very little about that Tyler knows a lot about. Shout out to Frederick Sund and Andrew Howard, part of the official, not official, First Touch Betting Council, aka the guys that I talk betting about with constantly at work. We've been spending some time getting ready for the Premier League, talking about some of these bets. Figured it's a good weekly segment with soccer back and you know some of the gambling degenerates having no other sports to bet on. We'll give you some weekly picks on the soccer. Uh, with this being the Premier League preview, we talked a little bit about the lines earlier in the previews. I'll just give you my picks currently. Pick of the week's Leicester. The fact, this line could move by the time uh, this episode comes out, but currently Leicester is only a half goal favorite against Watford. Uh, we talked about this earlier. You know, Leicester is absolutely stacked. De La Feu is out for Watford. I know we tend to get, forget about Leicester sometimes, but there's so much attacking power on that team. You know, all they have to do is one by one, but they can just totally you know, blow over Watford. Bonus pick, just to appease Nate, I'm going to pick Tottenham to win that Manchester United lineup. I just think, you know, a healthy team that's motivated, they've been fighting like hell to try and get a Champions League spot. It's really con uh, congested up there at the table. I think that they come out with more energy than Manchester United. So those are the first touch betting council's picks of the week. For more picks, you can follow me on Twitter at Tyler D. Brook. Sure, I'll be sharing some of those on the Twitter account as well at FDSPod. Thanks for that, Tyler. And for those people that had no idea what he was talking about, <laughs> want to make sure that we keep everyone at FTFC inclusive, even if you don't have a more gambling side. Can you just break down a little bit about the picks that you were talking about? You said, like, as a bonus pick, you picked Tottenham. So you're saying you're picking them to win and you're putting money on them to win those matches. Yes. So the lines is what I'm referring to. If they win by one or more, you get your money back. If they draw or lose, or the Tottenham line, it's just a straight toss-up. So you know you can pick which side to win because it's a PK or a pick -em. If there is a draw, you do get your money back. Gotcha. Well, thanks for that. We have a lot more sports betting coming up down the pipeline as we have more matches returning. So stay tuned for that. Again, Premier League focused this episode, so we'll be talking about some other leagues moving forward. So thanks for that, Tyler. Now uh, to wrap up some of our topics and then to get to our local pub shout-out at the end of the episode, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the return to soccer in the United States of America and greater Canada. 
Uh, the MLS is back. Return to play. A totally different format than usual. It's pretty interesting. You know, it looks kind of like, you know, a Champions League or Europa League setup. Yeah, I think this is actually really exciting. Um, I know some people have a hard time following the MLS because, as we discussed, it is a bit of an inferior product right now. It is like the retirement league for these superstars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you see some great people come to you. Like, Ibrahimovic has played for LA Galaxy. You've seen uh, Bastian Schleinsteiger come out and play for the Chicago Fire. It is drawing more and more attention. Actually, I do think the way that they're doing it this time around is going to only help increase the exposure of the sport because it is a more of a tournament-style bracket format. And think of it like this. We've been missing sports for so long, we didn't have March Madness this year. We got to treat this like... March Madness, MLS July Jubilee. I love that. <laughs> uh, it'll be nice to watch some more soccer. On your point about you know these superstars in this week on like the retired league, basically, I feel like David Beckham might have started that precedent back in the day. Yeah, I, I will agree with that to some extent. It's something that it's a stigma that they got to break. That's the challenge that the MLS yeah. has right now is being more than retirement league, being more like this needs to be a destination that players with a lot of talent want to come to. Ultimately, we don't want our American-based players to stay in the MLS because we know the more competitive leagues we're going to gain more skills are overseas. And that's where we want the United States men's national team to go play is not necessarily here. But your point to David Beckham, he's a person that's well invested into this league. He brought in a lot of people who normally wouldn't watch this to that LA Galaxy squad. And now he's starting a team of his own in Florida. And I'm really excited to see what's going to come out of that franchise that David Beckham is backing. He's a lot of credibility in this industry. And if he does this right, it can only help perpetuate the MLS to an international uh, notoriety in some ways. Absolutely. Well, here's to MLS being back. Just means more soccer for us to cover. Yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, we're going to move gears to our Pub of the Week. Pub of the Week, my favorite segment. Yes. Can't wait to have a safe way to enjoy soccer together at a local pub. Uh, We watched a little preview of the Bundesliga coming back, and I love to see the different ways that people were engaging. Uh, People were going to drive in movie theaters to watch some games. Um, They interviewed a woman who ran a pub in Dortmund, Germany, and she was saying how she could have up to eight people in the pub. And I can imagine how different that was for everyone there, but these fans in that pub look so excited. But let's talk a little bit about um, my favorite pub in Chicago is the Atlantic Bar and Grill. It's at uh, 5062 North Lincoln Avenue up on the northern side of Chicago. It's a home of the Chicago Spurs. Um, Obviously, if you're not a Spurs fan, you might feel a little bit out of place there, but it's still such a great, inclusive environment for people looking to enjoy a soccer setting. Uh, One of my favorite stories of going was I was there. It's it's great. So I was introducing uh, my girlfriend to the idea of what professional soccer is like. We got up for like an 8 a.m. match at the beginning of the season and the entire pub was packed. And, and you love it. We ended up getting a table surprisingly because a lot of times that I go, it's standing room. Not to turn you away. It's still great. They have a back room where they have a projector screen. They have a good front bar with a lot of TVs around. But we got a table in the front 
we're sitting next to, it was either a father or son. I actually, I believe it might've been a, a grandfather and a grandchild. And it was, you know, older gentleman, uh, in his Tottenham kit and a small, probably first grader looking age, uh, kid wearing, he, he had on a Tottenham kit as well. And, you know, some of the chants start happening. We had a little bit of a come on you Spurs. We had glory, glory, Tottenham hot Spurs playing. And my girlfriend that knows nothing about soccer was just like, Oh my goodness. It's so cute seeing this little kid and how happy he is just singing along and he knows all the songs it it really warmed her heart but here's the funny part i talked a little trash on arsenal obviously it makes sense we have a couple of chants that go against arsenal and one of those is not pc (laughs) and drops a lot of hard words in that some start with f some start with c and this kid knew all the words to that one too how old was the kid he looked like he was in first grade it was it was quite funny and just the look on my girlfriend's face. She was in shock and I was just there laughing because it is part of the environment and the culture and obviously it is a bit harsh sometimes, but it's all in good fun and it's all in support of your club. And, you know, sometimes you just got to talk trash about the other club that's been, you know, putting you down for the past couple of decades. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been going great for you guys for a while. So again, big shout out to the Atlantic Bar and Grill up there on uh, North Lincoln Avenue. Uh, Can't wait to have you guys uh, open your doors again for all the uh, Chicago Spurs supporters. I know I'll be one of those coming in whenever I deem that it's safe. I know things are starting to open up. I'm still taking it safe and careful and hope everyone else is uh, still being safe out there during these times. Yeah, be sure again to send your uh, favorite pubs onto the First Touch podcast. Uh, we'll be doing our weekly pub of the week. Again, just uh, feel free to shoot us messages on Instagram or Twitter. Can't wait to see some more bars. Uh, we've got an Indianapolis one and a Chicago one now. Can't wait to see you know how far out this can uh, spread. Please send us over Instagram, Twitter. Plug those in right now again. That is on Instagram, First Touch Pod. On Twitter, FTFC Pod. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. And again, as we ended last week, we'll end this week the same way. There's no room for racism. <laughs>